Excellent. Hello, I have Neil with me today. Hi, Neil, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hello, I'm Neil Lancaster. I'm the author of a couple of series of books. The first one was the Novak series uh, of three books. Um, the last one of those is out a couple of years ago now. And I'm also the author of the Max Craigie books. And there are two out at the moment. The first one was Dead Man's Grave. The one before that, uh, the one that's just recently out is called The Blood Tide. Um, there'll be another one out in September. Um, I'm a former police officer. I spent 25 years in the Met Police. And before that, I um, spent six years in the military police, and uh, which was all good fun. And uh, I live in the Highlands of Scotland with my wife, my son and my dog. Um, did you always know that you wanted to write? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Well, I don't know. I'm one of these people who I really liked reading as a kid. Um, I was I was reading thrillers as a 12 year old, um, you know, thrillers by Alastair MacLean and Desmond Bagley, people like that. So I always loved reading. And I remember a teacher, really nice man, telling me that I was good at it and I was good at writing. And that I could write good stuff and that I shouldn't lose it and all that. And I should really try, which I didn't at the time. So it was 40 years later that I actually finally decided to try and write a book. Um, and that was really because I suddenly had time on my hands because I'd, I'd retired from the Met Police. And I'd moved to the Highlands of Scotland from the southeast of England. And I just had a lot of time on my hands and I'd been doing a lot of reading. And I think it was... Um, I read Greg Hurwitz's Orphan X series and it really blew me away. I thought they were so good. And I thought, I wonder if I could do it. And it literally was that. And I just thought, I wonder if I could. And so I just came up with this rough idea based on a job I'd done as a cop. And um, I opened my laptop and started writing. It was as simple as that. It wasn't any more thought given to it than that. And when you did start writing, was it with the intention of getting it published? Well, I, you know, what? I didn't know much about it. I had no idea how you, you'd get a book published. I mean, I obviously I looked, had a quick look and I realised that you needed an agent and maybe, and or there are some publishers you could submit direct to. But I hadn't really thought about it. And I, I literally just started writing, um, you know, perhaps influenced by other books I'd read and things like that and, and thinking about how you do your POVs and coming up with some characters that some were loosely based on people I'd interacted with or encountered during my time in the police. Um, both, you know, protagonists and cops and things like that. So really, yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I thought I'll just see what happens. I thought I didn't even know if I could write a book at that point. So I thought, well, let's see if I can write a book. And then I thought, well, worst case scenario, I can probably just like bung it on Kindle or something like that. I didn't really, I hadn't, thought about what happened when I wrote a book it was more a question of can I write a book and I wrote it you know, fairly quickly and uh, you know it was a fairly long book when I finished it, it was over, well over 100,000 words and you know I got a bit of help from some people and I got a, I got a publishing contract with a small publisher Burning Chair who did really well and you know they were a couple of really enthusiastic fellas and you know the book sold those books sold pretty well so yeah I didn't know it was I just wanted to see if I could write a book not whether I could get it published and it wasn't until I'd written it and I had a couple of people couple of people read it one was Margaret Kirk who you may know of 
Margaret's a lovely author, um, lives in Inverness, not far from me. Uh, and Mike Walters, Mike Walters is, writes as Alex Walters. Uh, he lives very close to me as well. And they both read it and said, this is actually really good. And then I thought, well, maybe, oh, right, okay, so maybe I can write a book then. <laughs> and then I, I say, got it published and it, yeah, it's done pretty well. So yeah, it was, it was more an exercise of can I until I'd actually written it. And usually when people start writing, they say that it's the idea of a story they have that they want to get down. Was that the case with you? Well, a little bit. Um, I, one of the last major cases I did as a cop was about uh, a corrupt immigration solicitor who was facilitating large scale breaches of immigration crime. And it, it kind of because he was bringing he was working with a Czech gang and they were bringing girls over to the UK from the Czech Republic and they were treating them really abominably um, through, you know, sex work and then making them go through sham marriages in order to allow non-Europeans to, to get visas in the UK. And that struck me as a good stop off point and maybe a good way to, to start the book and as a, as a type. I mean, obviously, I changed it. I changed everything about it. I mean, it's just loosely based on that. But then that allowed me a place where I thought, well, you know, what happens? He's an undercover officer going in to try and get evidence against his corrupt solicitor. What happens if it all goes wrong? What happens if his cover is blown? What happens if everyone's against him? What, what can he do? And so that's where that came from. And it all came from that one case. And obviously I went, you know, went way beyond that into this international conspiracy thriller. Um, but that's sort of where it started. That was the seed that sort of was the genesis of, of Going Dark, the first book, which, you know, I still really like and it still sells actually. If you were to choose a character from any of the books you've written so far to take out for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? You know, it's funny because much as I've got two quite strong protagonists in, in Tom Novak and Max Craigie, I view them as almost a vehicle for the kit, the sidekicks for the, the, the other characters in the book. I, I, I absolutely love writing Ross Fraser um, in my Craigie books. Ross Fraser is, he's, a, he's Max Craigie's DI, he's his detective inspector, so he's boss. And he's crude, he's brash, he's quite offensive, but he's a really good person. And, I, you know, really, really good person. He'd go to the wire for his people, he'd do anything for his people. He's enormous fun to write. And I think he'd probably be enormously good fun to go, go for a meal with. He'd complain and he wouldn't stop taking the piss out of you for the whole time. And he'd be really rude to you. But he, he always means well and he's always got your back. So, yeah, Ross, Ross Fraser is probably the character I enjoy writing the most. It allows for some fantastic interactions and dialogue and bad language and all that. But I've known people like that. So, yeah, it, Ross Fraser probably. Um, I imagine you've killed people off in horrible ways in your books, but if you were to be a fictional killer, how would you kill your victims? Ah, I see. Am I a psychotic? <laughs> Do I care whether I get caught or not? <laughs> That's only for you to know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, really. I, I, I mean, I kill people in mostly 
quite traditional ways. Oh, I don't know, don't there's the scene with the um, the Turkish gangster in the first one. That was quite unpleasant, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I see. I'm not. So I don't like hurting people. I mean, despite the fact that I write against the worst things, I, I hate the thing, the thought that I would hurt anyone. Um. So yeah, I'd like to be sneaky. If I have to do it, I'll do it sneakily in this sleep, like fill the room full of carbon monoxide or something like that. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just if they need killing because they're a hideous person, I. I don't want to torture them to death or anything like that. I'm, I'm too, I'm too nice. <laughs> See, someone asked me this question, and I'm generally very placid, and you know, everyone says I'm lovely, and yet I said I'd stab someone a hundred times. A hundred? That's quite specific. Yeah, but it's a very specific <laughs> person in mind. I don't know if that makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't like to. I'm, I'm not a mean person. I, I don't like, I've never had a fight in my life. You know, I mean, I spent all the years as a cop, but you know, other than a bit of a roll around with people who didn't want to be arrested, I don't think I've ever had a fight in my life. Well, rugby pitches occasionally had a, a bit of a, a bit of handbags at five paces in a, in a rugby pitch, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, so if you were to be fictionally murdered, who would you want to solve your case? Novak. I mean, I love Max Craigie, but he's very straight. Max is Max won't really go so much off piste. Novak would do anything to avenge me. Anything and everything. He he would do whatever to avenge me. So yeah, I'd have Novak because he's brutal. He's wonderful to write, but he probably has a personality disorder. I haven't totally decided what. Um, in that he can kill anyone and he doesn't really care. But he only wants to kill people who deserve to die. So um, Novak, yeah, you would want you wouldn't want Novak on your following you because his sidekick is pretty brutal as well. So I, I would have Novak try and avenge my death. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you hide secret jokes or messages in your books? So only a few people understand, or any Easter eggs? <laughs> um, I I guess with the <laughs> some of the terms of abuse. Some of the Mickey takes, things like that. Some of the words people would recognise, yeah. But there's no, no, I don't I don't deliberately package anything in there that, uh, oh, look, see your dog, isn't he cute? Is he a Yorkshire Terrier? Yep. <laughs> He's very cute. Um, yeah, no, I don't deliberately do it, but there's the, there are people who, if they read some of the terminology in there, some of the things that are said, they'd recognise it and think, oh, yeah, I remember that. That sounds like Neil. And people do say, even my son, um, my son who's, um, in his 30s, he's a Royal Marine. He'll say, I can, I, I read you, and he goes, and it's just like listening to you. So, you know, so it does, it does creep in there. What was one of your most fun scenes to write, and what's been one of your most difficult out of any of the books? Um, the most fun was probably the opening scene of <laughs> Dead Man's Grave, because that's where everything started the the inspiration for dead man's grave comes down to a, a really lovely old gentleman called, called john fisher who inspired the book he told me a story of, of the grave that must never be opened so he literally said that about, told me the story about this book about this graveyard in scotland he went to visit and the grave in the yard and this old disabled um, defunct graveyard simply said this grave never to be opened so i had to i i loved it i just found that it was just an incredibly evocative way to start a start a book and 
so writing it and trying to, because I didn't want to write anything historical or anything around, you know, horror or anything. That's just not my cup of tea. But I wanted to find a way of using it because I thought it was such an incredibly good way to grab a reader's attention. So the, the opening scene when Tam Hardy, the old gangster, goes to the grave, never to be opened. Um, that's probably the one I enjoyed the most. Um, hard to write. You see, I've just finished a book, so it's a bit difficult to talk about because I've only just sent it to my agent. And I can't say too much about it because it's a massive spoiler, but it had me on the edge of tears when I wrote it. Mm. So I think I'll leave it at that because I want it to land really well when someone gets to read that. But it, it was it, it was a good scene to write, um, but it did move me to write it because um, it it has its roots in real things. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> um, what was I just going to ask you? <laughs> totally forgotten now. <laughs> um, oh, which character has given you the most trouble? <laughs> most trouble? <sighs> Janie, uh, who is Max Craigie's psychic. I, she needed a lot of editing. Um, I had a, I, when I signed with HQ, I, I had a, I got a wonderful editor, Finn Cotton, who's a tremendous bloke. He's moved on to um, Transworld now. I've got a great new editor, Belinda. But Finn, I had Janie as this very, very awkward character who would develop during the book and then to develop onwards during the series. It was hard and I, I wasn't 100% sure how I would achieve that. So I really needed some help. And, you know, uh, Finn really helped me with that. So to, to make Janie not just odd, as in she's awkward, which is, she starts off quite awkward, but quirky and to make her quirkier, to give her some little quirks. So, you know, I made her a little bit OCD around cleanliness in the cars. Um, I made her have a very strange taste in music. That was incredibly good fun to write. To have have his wild out there tasting music, so that was fun. Um, but it was also quite difficult. It's difficult to make her because I really wanted. Uh, I mean, I don't write from a female POV for a number of reasons. One thing is I I don't know that I've got the chutzpah to pull it off, um, and I don't want to want one of those blokes who writes the female character POV badly. I. I obviously have strong females in the book. Both books, the, the, the sidekick is a very, very strong, independent, take no shit woman. Um, but I'm not necessarily going from their POV. And I was kind of reluctant to do it. So that's why I find it. I, I, but I'm, I'm, the more I write Janie, the more I enjoy writing her. In fact, I've just written a short story with her as the lead. Um, but I don't know what's going to be happening with that. So, I mean, everyone, there'll be an opportunity to read it at some point. I'm just not quite sure how, because we're coming up to the hardback publication of um, The Blood Tide. So um, I think, you know, it's with my publishers, so they, they may have a plan on what to do with that. But that was fun. That was really good fun to write, in fact. When you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Sorry, uh, you broke on that one. Can you say that again? <laughs> when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's definitely F. 
it's definitely the f-bomb because i i mean and the thing is right swearing you have to there's a there's a balance to, to be struck with swearing i'm really keen that these books are authentic and they are hard-edged scottish gangland thrillers with hard-edged cops bad scottish gangsters if i don't have swearing in they're not authentic they're just not and they have to this books have to be authentic i'm a ex-police officer people expect my books to be as authentic as they can possibly be so but then i at the end i'll i have a number of how many f-bombs i can have in my book and i'll word search at the end and then i'll get it down to what i consider to be not too bad because if it goes i really want these books obviously to take off in america and uh, um, in America, they can be a little bit puritanical. Not everybody is, a, is that much of a fan about swearing. I mean, I think the swearing is completely essential to my books. Ross Fraser's language is purposefully awful, genuinely. And it's really, and I try to get creative with his swearing as well, to make it out of context and, uh, you know, just because I think it's funny. And I, you know, I try to inject the humour into the books. I want them to be funny. I want to give people laugh out loud moments. And, uh, you know, so it, it's great fun to do that. And it's great fun to do it. But yeah, I have to watch the curse words because they, they can get a bit too much. I think I did a count up on one of them. I had about 150 F-bombs. I thought I might. I spoke to my editor and he goes, maybe, maybe cut a few out. And so I did, but there's, there's still loads and there, there will always be loads. And I'm not, I'm not going to compromise on it. And funnily enough, I don't think I've had a. I don't think I've had it mentioned in any of the reviews. I don't think so. Might have done, but not not. If if it is, it's like one. So I think people forgive it. I, th I think people don't like gratuitously, gratuitous swearing where it doesn't add to the character, and it definitely does. It's vital. The swearing for Ross Fraser is vital, or he wouldn't be Ross. Yeah, I don't get a fuss, I must admit, because everyone swears. And sometimes some of the situations that you writers put your poor characters in, if they didn't swear, it would just be wrong because, yeah. you know, you put them in situations where you would swear your head off. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, no. So, yeah, I have, yeah, I have to, I have to watch that. <laughs> um, do you have a favourite word, just in general? Sorry, you... you... I, uh, you, yeah. Do you have a favourite word? Hmm? <sighs> Scunnered. I love you. I love trying to get some traditional <laughs> Scots word in. Scunnered, which means annoyed, pissed off. Scunnered. I love. I'll use that at any possible time. Actually, another. I've just. Um, I don't know if you've read the Blood Tide, but there's a new character in called Barney. Barney is an ex um, spy, basically. Um, but he's knocking on a bit. I don't know how old he is. I haven't decided that, but he's well in his 60s, I'd have thought. He's their technical expert. He's what I call a technical attack consultant. And he's a freelancer. So he's the one who puts the bugs in and things like that. He is a broad Yorkshireman. So I have a load of fun with that, throwing some of the Yorkshire dialect, because my wife comes from Yorkshire. So getting some of the, the Yorkshire dialect and... Um, word yeah, that's loads of fun and it does it does add to it it adds to the character so much so but scunnered i love that word absolutely brilliant you have trouble um being from the south being in scotland with their weird phrases and stuff because i went to bloody scotland last year and only once i had to ask someone to repeat themselves but they do have <laughs> well so no i mean I'm i've been up here seven years so i'm <laughs> I, i'm completely tuned into it 
I don't sound like a, you know, I am, I'm not catching the accent. And my son, who's 11, he's been up here since he was four. He still sounds like me. Um, but no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm tuned into it. I consider myself part Scottish now, even though you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to turn my um, hotspot on on my phone because my internet's obviously paying up. You're breaking up to me again, Donna. Yeah. <laughs> I just turned my You're mobile frozen. hotspot on, so it might work better than my Wi-Fi, apparently. All right. It usually does. There we go. Hopefully that'll be better. Okay, I can hear you now. Good, that helps. Um, right, where was I? Oh yeah, Scotland. <laughs> um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? I have, yeah, I have. Um, yeah, loads actually, loads. It's, I mean, even despite the fact that obviously we've been locked down, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very good friends with Tony Kent, um, good friends with Imran Mahmood. Um, yeah, load, loads of me. It's great to get together at, at festivals and things like that. Um, you know, I'm, Ian Rankin has his holiday place not far from me, so tend to get, get together for a beer with Ian when he's around. Um, you know, uh, Mike Walters and um, Margaret Kirk. Got, you know, there's loads of authors live in these here parts as well. Um, got, got Shona McLean, who's a wonderful historical writer. She's not far away from here. So yeah, it's great. You feel like a little you know, part of a, of a community. And when you go to festivals, it's great to go and hang out with everybody. So yeah, no, I've, I've made loads of friends since becoming a writer. Yeah, just more names, you know, just just pop and see and rank in. That's, you know. Well, yeah, honestly, he's, he's around the corner from. He's and I was very lucky that he. You know, he's a he's a lovely guy, really supportive of people, and um, I persuaded him to read my first book and he uh, my first Craigie book and he really enjoyed it and said nice things about it. So, I I feel very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I've met him briefly at Harrogate, but yeah. No, he's a lovely bloke. Yeah, he. Um, I was sitting on my own drinking coffee and um, reading a book, I think, and he just walked past and said good morning. And I'm not quite used to not fangirling over authors yet. So I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, well, no, look, we can all do it. I, I did an interview with Greg Hurwitz um, a little a couple of weeks ago for the Blood Brothers podcast. I guested for them. And it was really hard not to fanboy because he's – I just love his books. And it was uh, – and it was, you know, I met I met Mick Heron at Bloody Scotland, you know. Ugh, Mick Heron. I mean, the man's a genius, you know. The man is an absolute genius. So yeah, you know, but it's a it's a really supportive crime writing community, it's really supportive. And I've never felt anything other than people want me to succeed. Um, and are really supportive, you know. I wouldn't be here without Lynn Anderson. Lynn Anderson, um, encouraged me because she doesn't live far away she lives in Carbridge down in the Cairngorms and at my first ever festival appearance which was uh Cromarty Crime and Thrillers uh she was there she I you know I spoke before her and she was been hugely encouraging ever since I don't think I'd be 
doing this unless without the encouragement of people like Lynn. So yeah, it means a lot. It means a huge amount. And you know, you've got to try and pay it forward. You know, you've got to try and support as many people as you can. You get a lot of feedback from your readers. Yeah, loads. I mean, obviously you get um, you get loads of reviews. Or, you know, hopefully if you you know things are going well, you get reviews. And both of the Craigie book, well, the Novak books got really well reviewed. Um, obviously, I've got my website, and I get frequent emails. I mean, oh, I mean, it's been a bit of a nightmare with this one because there was a bit of a mess up with the with the formatting of the ebook for the Blood Tide. Nobody, no one's fault. I don't know exactly how it happened. Somewhere between leaving my publisher and being uploaded onto the Kindle, there were some major formatting errors, and it took a couple of days to sort out. So yeah, I've had a I've had a lot of emails. I mean, I've tried my best to help everybody out. I did a little video showing how people could update the book, and I've sent it out to my whole mailing list. I put it all over social media. Anybody who emails me about it, I make sure I email them back and tell them how they can rectify it. So, yeah, but you know, I, I understand. I understand if someone's frustrated, they were looking forward to the book, and suddenly it's difficult to read. They're going to be annoyed. So, and I'm easily, you know, they people can easily find me. So. You get feedback, good and bad. Predominantly, it's been good, but I have had, and even then, most people, if they're phoning up to complain about the, the formatting in the book, they're doing it just because they want you to know and hoping that you can sort it out. And, you know, they just want to read the book. So I do get it. It, well, it, has, been, it has been hard work. It has been hard work. And I, I cop some bad reviews for it, some one-star reviews. Understandably so. Uh, but it's hard to take when it's not my fault. You know, I, I sent I send a clean copy in. My publisher send a clean copy to Amazon. Somewhere in between, the file gets corrupted. Um, I've not had a bad review for the subject matter. They've only been really good. I mean, NetGalley, I had, oh, I don't know, 200, 250 reviews, all five star. So, you know, the book's been incredibly well received. Um it's been reviewed amazingly. The audio book read by Angus King, who also reads J.D. Kirk. He also read, uh, read Shuggy Bane. He's a master. He's a master narrator. The audio is being reviewed amazingly. I think I've got almost a five-star average across both books. So, yeah, you, you get good feedback, you get bad feedback, and you have to respond to the bad feedback or the constructive feedback or people with a genuine beef you have to respond to it with a bit of understanding and dignity really um so yeah it, it goes with the territory you know we're putting a we're, we're putting a product out there for people to read and we can't complain if they tell <laughs> they tell us what they think about it good or bad um you saw on twitter that surgeon had a couple of questions for you do you remember what they are or do you want uh off the top of my head no um Serge it's amazing Serge is a a huge fan and shares the love of the books he loves and he, you know he's a he's a, a voracious reader and um certainly shares it I'm about to get a knock at my door so my dog might explode in a second um there's a problem with having an office in the in the front bit of the house just bear with me one second Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Job done. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, Serge. Yeah, please, please remind me what they were. He asked if there would be any more in the three book series. Um, it's 
not been announced yet, but watch this space is all I'll say. There's going to be more crazy. Awesome. And then he also asked what your favourite thriller of all time was. That's an easy one to answer. Uh, Running Blind by Desmond Bagley. Um, this book was written in 1970. Um, and Bagley was amongst that very strong core of thriller writers from the 1970s, along with Alistair MacLean, Len Dayton, Dick Francis, etc., 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 Clive Cussler a little bit later, maybe. To me, Bagley was the master, and Running Blind was just magnificent in terms of the, the thriller. It's a big romp across Iceland where elapsed spies called back in, and there's double agents, triple agents. It's just a marvellous, marvellous book. I advise anybody who loves thrillers. I mean, if you look at it from one angle, it could seem a bit dated. Nowadays, I read it not that long ago. Again, and some of it, but it's of its time. It was set in the 70s in Iceland. So for that point of view, it's bang up to date. Uh, it's a terrific book. So yeah, without a doubt, I wouldn't be a writer if it wasn't for that book. Um, no doubt in like two days, Sergeant would have read it. And, He'll have read it. Yeah. And then he would have read all of his others as well. <laughs> I know I mean I think I read a lot and I think he beats me by some distance yeah no I think he beats everybody yeah I think I'm up to 65 66 books this year so far so wow that's um uh, that's some achievement yeah I wish I could read faster but I, I, I struggled to keep up and you know in between writing books and yeah, planning and editing and... Fine. yeah <laughs> I uh I work part-time and do this and read so yeah i can read lots it's fine brilliant i need to because all you lot keep wanting me to read your books and review them and then i agree to do blog tours and <laughs> yeah i have no choice i have to read <laughs> just crazy but i love it i love every second of it so it's fine brilliant. um if you're able to spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with easy desmond bagley Desmond Bagley, he he's, he died. I think he died in the early 80s. Um, but I've read everything he's ever written. And to me, he was the master of thriller and suspense writing. With, without a doubt, Desmond Bagley. I mean, I imagine you've met most of the living ones anyway. <laughs> um, not all of them, no. There's, there's, there's loads and, you know, there's loads of the American writers, uh, you know, that I'd love to meet. Um, Still not met Simon Koenig. I love his writing. Don't even talk to me about Simon Koenig. <laughs> his, his books are marvellous. I've loved all of them. Yeah. So he yeah. promised me an interview at Harrogate last year, and it's now what nearly the end of March, and I'm still waiting. <laughs> and I don't care that his six foot whatever, and he was carrying <laughs> over me. I was telling him off. <laughs> he has messaged me today though, so it's fine. That's cool. He's not on my shit list anymore. He's <laughs> verging. Yeah, but yeah, I know his books are incredible. No, they are. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and hopefully the American writers will come over this year. For well, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. You know, there's, I'd love to meet Lee Child. I'd love the Reacher books. I read them and adored them. Um, you know, so yeah. You know, Michael Connolly, all these people like that. Clive Cussler, I'd love to have met him. He was an incredibly brilliant thriller writer. Um, he's uh, died, what was it, I don't know, about a year ago, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, not long, yeah. Yeah, he was a magnificent thriller writer, one of these sort of writers that 
set the bar very high for me. So, yeah, there's so much talent out there. Yes, there is. I think um, some of the female uh, writers are coming to Harrogate, like Kathy Wright and maybe Tess Gerritsen. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I went through a big phase of reading Tess Gerritsen's. I read, um, I think I read a lot of them back to back, which is what I tend to do. I tend to, you know, find an author and then read them just one after the other. And, you know, I tend to just binge read um, particular writers. Yes. Um, So there, that would be great. Yeah, fingers crossed, yeah. Um, If you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? I, do you know what? I'm the happiest I've ever been, so I think I'll just stick with where I, where I am. Oh, do you know what? I know. I'd like to go to a point where we haven't got COVID, Brexit or Ukraine hanging around i wish we could go to a time when they're resolved that would be nice but that's really i mean now's the time i'm happiest um i'm happier that that i'm doing what now something that i love it doesn't feel like work you know i get up in the morning and think about what i'm going to do and what i'm going to write and i you know i'm out there walking my dog and thinking what am i going to write and how am i going to resolve this problem and how am i going to resolve this plot so now's the time where I'm really happy. Um, you know, I've always been pretty happy, but now's the time where I feel like I'm doing what I'm, uh, you know, maybe I, I was, I should always be doing. So, yeah, I don't want to, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> Just wish we could resolve those, of the hideous stuff that's happening at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Hopefully soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is your first celebrity crush? God, uh, going back in time, I can see I'm quite old now. So uh, I've got to go right back to, was it the fact? Oh, Kate Bush. Yeah, no, Kate, Kate Bush. I was in love with Kate Bush as like a 13 year old, 14 year old, whenever it was, 15 year old. Yeah, Kate Bush every day. Oh, Blondie, Deborah Harry. See, that's me showing my age, but that's that's I guess where I start. Yeah, Toy Harry Cox. is a very popular choice. Yeah, <laughs> certainly for people of um, those of us born in the nineteen sixties. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love. Um, I can usually tell by the, the era, and usually it's the same answer, male and female. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny, usually, actually, the women blush generally more than the guys, but it's, it's a fun question. <laughs> no, I'm not blushing about that. It's a, no, it's no, a good no. one. It's, that's a, they're, good, they're good celebrity crushes to have. I'm quite, I'm quite relaxed about those ones. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, where's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up? <laughs> I once went out in Brighton with some friends and I got separated from them and I really got slightly too drunk and I woke up the next day in a really really expensive apartment on a sofa overlooking the sea the house full of people a load of other things I didn't know a single person there not one person I found I literally I got really drunk and I woke and I didn't know a single person now everyone came in hello mate you're all right good night last night wasn't it? and I'm thinking 
don't know anyone. That was uh, that was disconcerting. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, who would you like to play you in a movie of your life? I don't know. Who do I really? I mean, do I go down the road of? I can't really. I'm rubbish at things. I guess you know if you want to. Russell Crowe is prime. Tony Kent would kill me for saying this because that's his. That's who he would. He'd be saying. Um, Russell Crowe is prime. That's me. That's ridiculous. I mean, obviously, you know, we. I don't look anything like him. But if you just want someone to play the the version of yourself you'd like to see the most, then maybe Russell Crowe. Hey, not now because he looks like a right old chubby bearded bloke. But um, you know, in his prime, he was a, a fine specimen, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Marlon Brand Marlon Brando is prime. How about that? That's an even better one. <laughs> or oh, David Niven. David Niven was so cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go for David Niven. In fact, I'll change all of my minds. David Niven, so smooth. I mean, I'm not smooth in the slightest, but David Niven was that's one of my favorite books of all time. The Moon's a Balloon. What a terrific book. Anyone should everyone should read that book. Yeah, David Niven, because he played he would play James Bond in Casino Royale many years ago as well. Yeah, I'll have David Niven play me. That's really cool. Someone's holding a gun to your head and you have to perform some weird party trick to survive. What are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good at juggling three balls. I can look quite impressive at that. I can't do four. I can do that thing where you balance like a massive pile of coins on your elbow and then you like slam it forward and catch them. I'm really good at that. I, I'll do that. I can, and I reckon I'll say, come on, all your coins, as long as they didn't have a penny jar in the room, I'd be fine. So juggling or flicking coins into my hand, totally pointless, but I'm, I'm very proud of them. <laughs> If I was to ask those nearest and dearest to you what your most annoying habits are, what would they say? Most annoying habits? <laughs> Talk too much. Um, probably quite noisy. Uh, what else do I do? Um, a bit of a hypochondriac. I always think the worst. If I... If I've, I'm the sort of person that can have like a pain in my arm and I'll Google it and I, I will convince myself I've got arm cancer or something. That's quite annoying. But that's annoying to me, not more than annoying to anybody else. <laughs> it probably annoys my wife quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. The trouble is one day you could be right and she'll be just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> that's it. I'll be, like, I'll be like Spike Milligan. You know what it says on his grave? I told you I was ill. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be dead and she's the one that's got to live with the guilt, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So every, every cloud and all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's been your highlight being an author so far? The long listing for the McIlvany Prize for Dead Man's Grave was terrific. Um, Scottish Book of the Month for Waterstones was 
a huge honour because that's really competitive. Um, it sold a lot of books and I, I went and toured a lot of the Scottish, most of the Scottish bookshops and the love in those bookshops for the book for Dead Man's Grave was palpable. And having them all tell me this book's flying out the door, everyone's loving it, we can't keep up with demand for it. I'd probably say that. I'd probably say being Waterstone Scottish Book of the Month, having the booksellers really get behind that book was is going to take some beating. Um, but, you know, I, I'm always hopeful for the future. Hopefully more good things will happen. But you know what? Just seeing your, seeing your book out there, going, in, going into Waterstones and seeing that I've got a table to myself, seeing it in the window, like, and I literally right now, right this minute, my book is in Inverness shop window on the top of the display next to Val McDermott and Richard Osman. You know, that, that, you know, I don't think I'll ever get used to that. Um, is there any particular goal that you want to achieve? I just like to keep doing this and to keep doing it well. Um, I'd like to be in a position where I think, you know, uh, I can keep doing this. I, you know, I'm lucky I I don't need to do this for the money. I genuinely don't. This isn't about money for me. And not that there's a you know, colossal amount of money rolling about for it anyway, but, it, you know, it's, it, I'm making a bit out of it now. Um, but it's just to get the books read by as many people as possible. They, you know, you want the books to sell well because not just the money, I want people to read them. I want people to read them, I want people to like them. I want people to like these stories that I've made up. I think it's a, it's a magical thing to be able to create these stories out of thin air. You know, they didn't exist before. No one had heard of Max Craig, Jamie Calder, Ross Fraser, Barney, Norma before, all this cast of characters that I've created. And to have people review them or send me messages and say, yeah, I just love these books. I love these characters. They really made me laugh and uh, they're exciting. I couldn't put it down. That, that's, that's magical. It really is. So I want, to, I want more of that. I want to be, keep being able to write books that people really want to read. And that's as far as it goes for me. Yeah, if I make a couple of quid out of it, that's lovely. But um, I don't do it for that because I've got a police pension that covers all the bills anyway. So I know I'm in a fortunate position and I can write what I want to write. I can write the books I, that I would want to read rather than trying to write to market or write something I think will sell brilliantly. I can write the books I, will, I want to write and the books that I, I would like to read. You know, I can afford now, you know, to think, yeah, I want to write something completely different. I'd like to really delve in and try and write a spy thriller maybe one day or some sort of an epic i was talking to somebody about this the other day I'd, maybe i'd like to write i am pilgrim equivalent not i am pilgrim but that's terry hayes already written it but something like that a big epic that goes across hundreds of pages but keeps people engaged so you know what i'm really hopeful for the future i i love what i do it's the most rewarding thing and I just to, the, the ability to keep doing it and have people keep buying the books and reading the books is, is what I want to do. Well, I think you're safe. 
like I just can't get away from you everywhere you're all over the place <laughs> to see your books yeah so, it's uh, funny blimey <laughs> yeah it's cool you know and no, it's, it's, amazing, it's so. cool yeah um will we see you or what festivals will we see you at this year if any um well I've been where have I been I've been to Granite Noir uh I, uh, I, uh, I'm not booked at Harrogate. Um, I'm going to be at Crime Fest in May. I'm on a Saturday, uh, about half past one, something like that, um, with Alex Shaw and a number of other authors. Uh, I am hopeful I'll be getting to Capital Crime. Um, Harrogate, I may drop in. I'm, I'm not on the lineup, but I'm hopeful I will be able to drop in. So I'll be out and about there. And we'll see what else see what else happens let's, let's see let's see what happens fabulous well you may be relieved to know i don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything i haven't asked you about no it's been lovely to chat good times well before we go would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from you can yeah sure you can look on my website which is uh, neillancastercrime.co.uk you can look at me on twitter at neillancaster66 uh, if you sign up for my mailing list there's some little freebie gifts you get there um, little short stories and things like that um, books are available wherever you buy your books independent bookstores are nice aren't they and waterstones i love waterstones because i love the booksellers are amazing so and uh, wherever else, wherever you buy your books, you can just Google me and you, you'll find where to buy my books. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. <laughs>